When it comes to weight loss, no two people are the same. That's why Noom builds personalized plans based on your unique psychology and biology. Take Brittany. After years of unsustainable diets, Noom helped her lose 20 pounds and keep it off. I was definitely in a yo-yo cycle for years of just losing weight, gaining weight, and it was exhausting. And Stephanie. She's a former D1 athlete who knew she couldn't out-train her diet, and she lost 38 pounds. My relationship to food before Noom was never consistent. And Evan, he can't stand salads, but he still lost 50 pounds with Noom. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. Even through the pickiness, Noom taught me that building better habits builds a healthier lifestyle. I'm not doing this to get to a number. I'm doing this to feel better. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom users compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. This is the Yanks Go Yard Podcast with Adam Weinrib and Thomas Carinante. Welcome to a Monday edition of the Yanks Go Yard Podcast. I'm Adam Weinrib alongside Thomas Carinante. The Yankees go to Fenway Park, lose two of three to a last place Red Sox team. Best series they've played in a month. Very encouraging, very fun. They almost won twice. So I think that's important. You guys should remember that. They almost won twice. They almost won zero times, but they did win once. Uh, and now they come home, oh, exhale, to face the Tampa Bay Rays, who've owned them for the past several years, but not this year, but maybe now. Then the Blue Jays for four games, then the Mets for two games. And oh, by the way, that's the Jacob DeGrom and Max Scherzer, if that's how the rotation shakes out. So that should be great. Uh, all they really need to do is go six and six over this stretch against divisional opponents while they wait for players to come back from injury and they just erase more games off the schedule. So far, they're one and two. That would involve in the series against the Rays, split in the Jays series, and split in the Mets series. But again, the Mets series might be Scherzer and DeGrom. And again, are they really going to split any series ever at any point in time? And are they really going to take the Rays series? That's something like, I-, I can't just roll into the Rays series being like, well, you-, you could just take the Rays series, then you'll be back on track. They haven't taken a series in two weeks. Why would they take the Rays series? Even though the pitching kind of makes sense and it's Cole in this series, and it's Nestor in this series, and it's Domingo Herman against Corey Kluber in the finale, but why would they just take the Rays series? I'm just, you, you can't take Yankee games for granted at this point. You can't go, oh, yeah, well, they'll, they'll take two out of three in. What would they take two out of three in? They have not done that in weeks, so why would they do it now? They have a 10-game <laughs> lead in the AL East because the Blue Jays are three and seven in their last 10, and the Yankees are two and eight in their last 10, but the Blue Jays are in town, so they can't both lose every day this week. Not possible. We'll see where that lead is in the week. Uh, also, Yankees are sending out injury updates like DJ and Stanton and Severino. And yeah, I said DJ, who's now injured, uh, maybe going to take Harrison Bader's boot for the month of September. Could that actually lead to something good? Some good roster shuffling? The Yankees have to replace one of their captains who's been struggling lately. It should. It won't. Plus, Derek Jeter and Alex Rodriguez is kind of awkward experience on ESPN over the weekend. Make sure to find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast. Drop us a five-star review. Drop us a mailbag question. We will answer your mailbag question. We will uh, froth and foam and spin around. And and now I got commenters on my case because I, I put digs at Domingo Herman in, into my articles that are about Domingo Herman. And, and like, what, what do you want me to say? You Domingo Herman rules? Is that what you want? <laughs> 1.6 homers per nine innings last year. Just like, what, what are you talking about? Like, it's now the woke mob to say Domingo Herman sucks. I don't know. The world the world is so, so, so stupid. Yankees commenters coming for the worst uh, possible hills to die on while the Yankees go 2-7 and seven on a nine-game road trip through two contenders and a last-place team, but that last team is the Red Sox at Fenway Park, and that just never goes well. Again, best series in weeks. Lost two out of three, one pretty good win in there. Thomas Carinante, welcome to the podcast. Uh, the leaves are falling. The New York Yankees are plummeting, but not enough so far. But they're going to plummet this week. And how you doing? Pretty good. 
pretty much just what we expected over this weekend. You and I talked about it. Going into Fenway is always the same, regardless of how these teams are performing. The Yankees could have went in there on a hot streak. The Red Sox could have been exactly where they were, last place, whatever. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Of course, they were going to face Michael Waka in this series, coming, but he was coming back from being out for weeks or over a month or something. Mm-hmm. Buzz saw the Yankees once again. This series had it all. Yankees in control in game one. Red Sox haven't gotten a hit since the fourth or since, yeah, since the fourth inning on Friday. Um, have the lead going into the ninth. Can't hold it. Lose that. Red Sox score their first runs and get their first hit. Last hit in that game was J.D. Martinez in the fourth inning. He gets the game tying hit in the bottom of the ninth. Um, yeah. so you can see how interesting the book ending of there is. Yes, Domingo Ramon, nice start. Good Sadly. Start. Sadly, not enough. Clay Holmes, we'll get into him in a little while. Can't be in this role at the moment. Would like him in this role forever, as long as he's still healthy or competent. But uh, there needs to be a change. The Yankees' failure to get ahead of problems and instead watch them persist has been their undoing. Um, Then you have Saturday, which was great because everything was ass backwards. What happened in that one? IKF. The only man who could save us from a sweep in Boston. First homer of the year, two-run jack. Runners on the corners in the top of the ninth. Bunts home a run to take the lead. Um, stuff you'll never see ever again. Um, and if he doesn't have that game, the Yankees get swept here. Um, and to complete the trifecta, you have a Sunday night baseball, which was a snooze. What was it, two hours and 13 minutes? Two hours and 15 minutes. The, the two hours and 13-minute game was Yankees-Red Sox back in 94. Four, that's the shortest yes. ever record. Uh, two hours and they did this back in 2018, too. Oh, yeah, always good to remember 2018. Great. Uh, yeah. Bob, Bob Nightingale with a fantastic tweet saying that uh, <laughs> this hasn't happened in nearly 39 years when 1994 was uh, not that long ago. Uh, and no. there was also an extra space in there. It, it was just the worst tweet you'll ever see. Good tweet. Um, and you had, of course, Aaron Judge. Sunday night baseball, 0 for 4, three strikeouts. Yeah. I've seen it before. Um, Homered in the first Judge. one, though. What? Homered in the first one, though. Yeah, true. Well, that was an Amazon game. That doesn't count. That's yeah. not a primetime game. That was not on television. No, I'm talking about national television. We've all been here with Aaron Judge on national television. It's agonizing because he's a fucking great baseball player. It's so fun to watch him. And then. You have him swinging over sliders against the Mets, against Max Scherzer at City Field when one swing of his bat as little as a blooper could have changed that entire game. And then the Yankees put up a goose egg on Sunday night. Two hits, one walk against Michael Waka, Ryan Brazier, and Garrett Whitlock. Um, couldn't have been – that was the – I mean, I guess those losses are actually inspiring because you know they never have a chance – they don't really make it like once Jamison Tyone gave up that home run in the sixth, you knew it was over and you really weren't like, Oh my God, this team's keeping me in this game and they're going to make me yeah. watch this through nine innings. You didn't have to watch until the ninth. I did anyway, but I didn't have to. You sim to the end. It's 2021 Yankees vibes at this point. And look, I understand injuries are a problem. Every team deals with injuries though. What happened on Friday? Michael Brantley was lost for the season for the Astros. They have 75 wins. They're fine. Michael Brantley's a very important player for, you know, that team to kind of get through and chug along. He's uh, He's been batting above 300 with them for the past three years. That's a very crucial, you know, one through four guy. You could pretty much put him wherever in the lineup. Astros he's are there, fine. Yeah, He's there. Just IKF. got colors back. Guy who's been out for over a year. They're getting stronger. They're figuring it out. Yankees can't figure it out. Yankees have one piece of the puzzle get removed and everything comes crashing down. Um, and you got to point to the guys who are underperforming. Andrew Benintendi, simply not good enough, but we already knew that. Um, Josh Donaldson, awful. Glaber Torres, awful. Um, and can you really blame anybody else? Anthony Rizzo dealing with a back injury. Kyle Higashioka, not really that good. Jose Trevino overachieved this year and has done more than he ever needed to. Isaiah Connor falefa exactly who he is and who we've always known to be, but fans still get angry about that. Um, and Miguel Andujar is here, and he's not very good. His trademark hits are bloops over the shortstop's head. Um, so, yeah, 
I mean, you're looking at roster construction here, depth construction, um, an unwillingness to call up top prospects when the opportunity presents itself, um, and then just everybody folding when a guy like Giancarlo Santon gets removed from the equation. And guess what, guys? DJ LeMahieu's coming next. Just found out he got a quarter zone shot in his foot right at the All-Star break. Now his foot's acting up again, um, and it's been bothering him for four to five days over that span about, I think he's six for thir- his last 38 um, with one RBI. So clearly something's going on there and this could drag on a lot longer than we needed to. Um, so with the way this roster is built with the way other players, I guess are folding when they have to step up in the spotlight, it's really not looking good for the rest of the stretch. And I have zero confidence. No, uh, it's crazy. They won the Saturday game. Because again, after the Clay Holmes blown save, the most inevitable, like, look, sometimes these are going to happen. Blown saves happen. You just want to maximize the space between them so that you don't feel like they ripped your soul out. And when Clay Holmes blew that save on, on Friday night, that was seven of eight since July 9th. So again, and this stat is a little bit, the Yankees had two saves during that stretch one was clay holmes in baltimore one was clark schmidt going three innings to win an 8-2 game against the royals those are not the same so congrats mm-hmm. to clark schmidt on not blowing a 8-2 lead over the course of three innings but in terms of late and close save opportunities it was holmes bailing out michael king and it was efros on saturday between those there were no saves executed Holmes blew several saves, and we now reach the point where Aroldis Chapman is the guy who you want to see come in. Oh, great. That's so exciting. Um, now we're moving on to a closer by committee, apparently, but not A, not by choice, because they'd use Clay Holmes as closer if they could, but he, what did he pitch in a 9-3 game? in the Seattle opener and, and gave up a run there. He blew a save in St. Louis. He blew a save uh, at Boston, obviously on July 9th at Boston. Again, on Friday, he blew a save in uh, against the Royals at home. It's a lot of blown saves for Clay Holmes lately. A lot of, stuff. Uh, a lot, a lot of great stuff. And, and Friday, they felt completely in control of that game, even though it was just two one. Even though I believe they put centers on against Navaldi in six innings and scored twice, and one was a solo Aaron Judge home run. Even though they probably should have been up four or five to one, they were not. They were up two one, but it felt as in control as it could. The heart of the Red Sox order was coming up in the ninth, and just uh, a ground out by Devers. Wow, one out, nobody on. Walk, walk, single. JD Martinez. As like a Jamie Martinez hitting like labor tours in the second half of the season, and yet somehow he's still able to get that done. And, and you you watch Saturday, it probably evens out, right? Yankees probably watch the Red Sox play the same game that they yeah, had on Friday much. night that day. They leave a lot of guys on base. Aroldis Chapman picks somebody off, picks off Bogarts for the third out of an inning and gets out of a jam. Scott Efros, first and second in the ninth, even after they pull ahead in the ninth, first and second, one out for Devers and Bogarts. Dribbler to the catcher, pop up to uh, Anthony Rizzo running in for first base. That's very Yankees-ish lately. That's very familiar. So you'd say those first two games probably netted out where they should have. Yanks should have won Friday. Red Sox should have won Saturday. But earlier in the season, Yanks were winning both of those. That's why they have the lead that they do. Because things weren't netting out. They were just winning baseball games. They were winning. They were finding new ways to win. Now they're finding new ways to be normal. And and to basically like let the universe have you know what it had already and they're they're splitting uh two gamers where they should probably be uh you know just taking them both instead of blowing a save scott f ross does a great job of of getting out of dodge on saturday uh but then of course the the isaiah kiner falefa game in a week where he's been getting threats and, and people are dming his dad horrible stuff he comes out on top the Yankees win a game they they probably didn't deserve, thanks in part to the most unlikely hero of all time, and it turned the season around until the next game started. And it just turned the season around in a circle, back to where it began, which was a place that sucked. It turned the season 360 degrees around. The bullpen is now going to go to a closer by committee. Sometimes it's going to be Chapman. Sometimes it's going to be Efros. Sometimes it's going to be Wandy Peralta, even though we know that doesn't work. Sometimes it might even be Clay Holmes who should probably get a phantom IL stint because his release points dropping and he's been terrible lately. 
Sometimes it might be Ron Marinaccio, who's not even on the roster. Sometimes it might be Clark Schmidt, who's not even on the roster. Is that good that two potential closers are not on the roster? You guys are going to have to decide. Sometimes it might be Lou Trevino. But are they are they going closer by committee by choice? No. They would be using Holmes if they could. And interestingly enough, they've kind of been going closer by committee all year long. Here are the Yankees who've gotten saves this season. Holmes, Chapman, Clark Schmidt, Efros, Chad Green, Michael King, Wandy Peralta, Lucas Lickie, Manny Banuelos, and Ryan Weber. Some of those are three-inning saves. They love to do that this year. Lipke had one at Fenway Park right before things fell off a cliff. Ryan Weber, I, I don't remember. I think that was also against the Red Sox. I think that was in like the 14-3 game at Yankee Stadium before the break. Again, when things were still relatively okay. Uh, but the Yankees have been losing using multiple closures all year because they don't have one. And they had one in Clay Holmes for less time than you really think they did. It was only like a month and a half. And then the release points started going, and then he fell off the mountaintop. We miss Clay Holmes, the closer, but they've barely had Clay Holmes, the closer, and they certainly don't right now. So who's at the top of my trust tree? It's like Chapman and Efros and Marinaccio, who's not on the roster. Uh, if Chapman's unavailable for a game, which he was on Sunday night, who's going to take over that role? Uh, nobody. That's why you're left with Albert Abreu in Seattle. There's no second line of defense. Well, why is it good? It's completely untrustworthy. If your preferred closer isn't available, there is no one on the Yankees who can pick up the slack, except for there is. And again, he's in the minor leagues right now. And there's another guy who's also in the minor leagues right now. Chad Green uh, got the brunt of some angry fans last year because his high leverage outings weren't what they should be. It would really help them right now. Yeah. And you look at the numbers, everything's starting to slowly even out. The Yankees have 30 comeback wins this year. That's fucking great. But guess what? They've blown 18 leads. They're 12 and 8. They have 12 walk-off wins, and they have 8 walk-off losses. Um, So the magic is over. They got themselves a great cushion in the beginning of the year going on that run that they did. And now the problems that we had all worried about kept in the back of our minds because we knew they still existed are now, you know, rearing their ugly heads and now this play, 8-15 and 15 since the All-Star break, um, have lost a grasp on the American League. The Astros are, I think, three games up now. Good luck. Good luck getting that lead back. I don't think you're getting it back. Um, enjoy going to Houston because that's probably what's going to happen. Um, and then you look uh, – I mean, what, what else do we have to talk about the bullpen? There's nothing else to talk about the bullpen. There wasn't enough fortification at the trade deadline. Mm-hmm. I don't think I need to fucking tell you that again on this podcast. Um if we're relying on Zach Britton to contribute innings come September, um, whatever drugs you're on seem to be pretty good. If that's actually what you're thinking. Yeah. Um, that's Brian my Cashman, answer. That's Brian my Cashman answer. Is peddling those drugs. If he thinks that that's actually, this is actually going to be a realistic uh, um, scenario where Zach Britton, who hasn't pitched in over a year is going to, help the Yankees bullpen when he hasn't helped the Yankees bullpen in like almost two years. Um, so the bullpen is its own argument. It's already been spoken about enough. Clark Schmidt, Ron Marinaccio, not here, not enough trade deadline acquisitions made, um, not addressing the injuries properly, not utilizing the people correctly that you had. Um, and here we go. It's just going to persist. Now you look at injuries that are continuing to be an issue. We just talked about DJ didn't know he was dealing with a foot issue a month ago. Now here it is. It's back. That's the Yankees second best player at the moment. Could argue he's the second most important player on the team this year because he's played more than Stanton and because he's gotten the offense off to the starts that they have gotten off to because he's frequently been the leadoff hitter setting the tone at the top of the lineup, which is when the Yankees were their best in 2019 and, and 2020. Um so we don't know. He's getting imaging today in New York City. Um, says he hopes to be in the lineup for the Rays game. I don't know why he would be. He won't um, be. I really don't know why he would be the day at, of getting imaging. Um, so don't expect to see him tonight. Um, then you have Giancarlo Stanton, who this was a weird injury update. Um, on Friday night, we were told there was no timetable. And then on Sunday, there was a report that he could go on a minor league rehab assignment this week. Um, so I would love to know how that's even how that's the messaging from the Yankees. You tell people no timetable, 
two days before. And then two days later, you tell people he's ready for a rehab assignment when he was only participating in baseball activities and actually got the day off from baseball activities one day last week, because apparently that's, that that's what had to happen. Uh, this is no knock on Stanton, by the way, it's just the way the Yankees handle injuries and it's poor. Um, and then you have Severino, which is my favorite one, my absolute favorite one, because he goes down on July 13th with this latch strain comes out of that start against the reds pitch two innings, gave up four runs, um, put a complete strain on the bullpen. The Yankees win that game seven to six, thank God. Um, but then after the game, he tells reporters that he didn't feel good that day. He didn't feel something was right, but he decided to not tell anybody and pitch anyway. Mm-hmm. Nonetheless, out for a full month, did not pick up a baseball until almost a month into this injury. Um, and then at the trade deadline, subsequently gets placed on the 60-day IL, um, either without his knowledge or without his permission, which – then creates more headlines because he reportedly told people that he was pissed off by the decision, unhappy, angered with the team. Um, And from one of the Yankees beat writers, it was said that the Yankees tried to show him a calendar to tell him that it wouldn't make that big of a difference (laughs) in terms of when he would come back. And he refused to look at the calendar because he was so mad. Um, So now Severino is throwing a bullpen session today. He's throwing a bullpen session today for the first time since injuring himself over a month ago and is not eligible to return for another, what, four weeks. So it kind of lines up the timeline. I think if he's throw, he probably throws bullpens for maximum a week or maybe even more than that bullpen simulated game rehab assignment back to the MLB roster, which you have to guess will take at the very least two weeks. I would probably lean closer toward three weeks which then brings you that much closer to him deserving to be on the 60 day IL. Um, So we got a whole lot of drama from the Yankees and from Luis Severino and the timeline for his return is actually not going to be far off from what the Yankees had predicted after placing him on the 60 day IL. So those are three great injury updates that a you have the DJ one where we were never told about a foot issue. That's apparently persisted for longer than a month. Now you have Stanton who's, has no timetable, but ready, also ready to come back now or in a week. And then you have Severino, who is throwing a bullpen session today and is probably not going to be on track to to return um, on, or he is on track to return on the timeline the Yankees gave him that he ended up being pissed off about. So everything's great with the Yankees, it seems. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger. Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, 
you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Yeah, who wants to take bets on DJ returning to the lineup today on the day of his imaging? Yeah, I'm, that'll probably, I think that'll go great. I think he's going to go right to the doctor, uh, get some imaging on the foot that hurt too much to play on, on Sunday night. Um, but And the doctor will say, DJ, we ran through your imaging so quickly. Your foot is incredible. Your foot is unbelievable. And he'll go, that's so weird. I feel the same pain I did yesterday. And the doctor goes, well, it's fake and you're lying to me. So you're going to play. And he goes, that's all I needed to hear. Thanks for the tough love. And then he goes into the lineup. That's not what's going to happen. <laughs> what does happen is this team will listen to a player's injury concern, probably play them one day longer than they should. Like Anthony Rizzo, I feel like his back issue probably could have been sussed out earlier. He was in the lineup until he pulled himself like 20 minutes before the game that Friday in St. Louis. Severino was woke up bothered, but still pitched that game against the Reds, gave up back to back to back home runs to the seven, eight, nine guys in the lineup, I believe. And then was like, you guys are right. I'm injured. I made a mistake. It, tur- I mean, it turns out, it turns out I'm not good enough to get the bottom of the Reds lineup out. And for that, I apologize. And then DJ, yeah, he's, he's red hot, red hot, red hot, comes out of the all-star break. He's like top 10 in war in baseball and then all of a sudden he's like seven for 33 and it's like wait why did it turn around oh foot pain of course thank you for telling us way after the fact they put out the worst lineup i've ever seen from them on sunday night baseball at fenway park it predictably was buzz sawed in two hours and thank god it was because if that lineup had gotten them a three two lead and had to hand it over to the bullpen not chapman not efros albert abreu wandy peralta i think i would have eaten uh you know old paint so I can't be doing this. Um, at least they were kind enough to lose Sunday night's game in as dull fashion as they possibly could have without even a glimmer of potentially obtaining a lead. They went 0 for 1 with runners in scoring position, which is always good to see. 0, 0 for, for 1. They got one chance with a runner in scoring position, did not get a hit. And that was the game. That is not how you win baseball games. And they did not win the baseball game. The IKF game was legitimately... Awesome. I- inspiring. Uh, you win it with a, a long ball from a guy who doesn't have a home run all year. Win it with small ball from the same guy. And, and Benintendi's ripping doubles in that game. And the Yankees are making plays to get out of the ninth. Trevino makes a great play on that dribbler. Gets the lead runner at second. IKF with the scoop. What a game. Just got to win one of those other two games. And they didn't. Now, the DJ injury, he's not playing today. He's already been held out of one game, so that would be two. We can do a retroactive 10-day IL stint. The Yankees do have a cushion in the AL East, famously. It's why they're playing as boringly as they are right now, because they do not have a sense of urgency with uh, the players who are available. They also have a talent deficit. They're missing significant players from their lineup. Stanton, Matt Carpenter, uh, LeMahieu, Rizzo is out for a while, etc. Everybody knows this, but also... Uh, Stan might be back already if it were a two-game lead, or at least he probably would already be on a rehab assignment. He's not, because they have a 10-game lead. Uh, DJ probably would have been put on the shelf uh, to get himself ready. I don't really know why. Uh, th- that's what I'm trying to say. The Yankees aren't showing urgency with like a Stanton, because they don't think they have to. They're not showing urgency with a Luis Severino, because they don't think they have to. They're saying, here, look at a calendar. Not only do we not have urgency, but read this calendar that says September and make it clear that you understand what we're saying to you. And he's saying, I hate that. And I hate you as well. Um, But they are not urgently rushing those guys back because they have a 10 game cushion in the standings. That was 12 games at the all-star break. They've played like dog shit for a month now after the all-star break. They're eight and 15 and their cushion in the AL East has gone down two games. So they don't care. Great. Why wouldn't you put DJ on the IL then and call up Oswaldo Cabrera or Oswald Peraza. Oswald Peraza, I believe it's five days until he loses a crucial year of service time. Same with Oswaldo Cabrera. I think it's August 20th. They could call those guys up without having to sacrifice some more precious time on the calendar. So they're going to make sure DJ LeMay, who's either healthy until August 20th or sits on that bench, their favorite place to put injured people. Playing a roster spot short for five days. We get Anthony Rizzo's back hurts, but not enough to call him injured, but hurts for him to play. They're 
they're going to try to pull that with DJ LeMahieu again until at least August 20th. They're not going to call up Peraza or Cabrera. Cabrera is red hot. Peraza is also really hot and has been for two months. It'd be nice to see either one of them right now. The Braves getting a spark from Vaughn Grissom, their top shortstop prospect who they called up for next to no reason, who just raked at Fenway Park. The Yankees will not do that, cannot do that because they have a 10-game lead and because August 28th is not today. The complacency is insane. And just one more thing on Stanton that I forgot to mention is he has not yet run the bases. Not once. Well, that's not once does he run the bases, yeah. but apparently he could be ready to go on a minor league assignment. So he's not going to practice running the bases at all. I guess we'll just see if he's ready to do it once the rehab assignment commences. Um, but yeah, the complacency here is what's driving people nuts. Um, there is, they're, they're not, Aaron Boone's not really managing with urgency and to take his side I don't know how you could manage with urgency with the collection of players that you have at the moment um, outside of just, you know, more quickly removing clay homes from these high leverage situations where he's clearly not been able to handle it for whatever reason. We don't know. Um, Clay Holmes does not deserve to lose his job permanently. Um, But just like the Chapman discussion that we've had for now, this is the third year um, just could maybe benefit from a role change. And, you know, the, the, so many other teams do it. Um, th- th- there's no reason to keep inserting a guy into a high leverage situation where there's th- there's been an issue now for a month. Um, better part of a month, I'd say, mostly the last two and a half weeks. Um, so the trade deadline didn't show any urgency to me. It once again was carefully crafted trades to minimize r- risk, address areas of need, but not as good as you could have um and then the roster decisions in-house have been infuriating you option marinaccio and clark schmidt you're not calling up any of the top prospects who may or may not be ready it's the it's the yankees way you look at i mean how about this anybody anybody listening right now i want somebody to fucking tell me the last time the yankees called up a top prospect in the middle of a season that jolted energy into in, into the roster it's it, I cannot remember the last time it happening outside of maybe Clint Frazier who then they kept jerking back between the minor leagues and MLB roster which have essentially ended his career but you know you you just mentioned Vaughn Grissom why you know he was at double a logged 32 games at double a before getting the call the Yankees have this obsession with linear progression so they need to see Oswald Peraza maybe get his OPS above 800 before they're comfortable calling him up. I don't know what it's going to take for him to get called up. They need a perfect season of him at AAA before he gets the call. Is he having the greatest season? No, he has some holes in his defensive game. Not, not the greatest defender of all time, but can clearly defend the position. Um, he's batting uh, 255 or 258 or something. Not the greatest average. OPSing 770. Not the greatest OPS, but guess what? He hits homers, he drives and runs, he steals bases, so he could be a little bit of an all-around threat for you, be an interesting piece on the bench to have, be an interesting motivated player on a team full of wilting players that could kind of reawaken something. There's none of that feel around this team. And Adam, you're more the baseball historian, especially with the Yankees. Please tell me the last time they called up a top prospect who wasn't exactly ready tailor made ready for major league baseball and in, in the middle of the season when they were in a in the middle of a run or needed some help or whatever cuz i look back to 2015 didn't find anything yeah well they accidentally almost got in the playoffs in 2016 when they called up gary and and judge and tyler austin but that was after they'd already waved the white flag yeah. and said uh you know this trade deadline we are sacrificing our present for our future and then they called up the future and they're like oh fuck gary sanchez is 20 home runs in 50 games uh we did it wrong oops like chad <laughs> green was in the rotation at that point the only other like i remember they bird in, in 2015 when they were on the road in cleveland and had lost like four straight and that kind of worked and he won a game in september where they walked he walked off the orioles and he beat the twins with two homers with Evaldi on the mound. And it like almost kind of sort of gave you hope for 2016. Then they lose the wild card game. They, they end 2015, by the way, 
Uh, I've been thinking about the 2015 Yankees a lot because what the 2022 Yankees are doing feels a lot like what the 2015 Yankees did. I'm pulling up the schedule and results just to make sure I get it right. Because the 2022 Yankees basically entered a, a second half where it was like, well, unless they lose every day, they're going to be okay. Like, unless they blow every save, they'll be fine. And then they go on the road. They go 2-7 and seven on this road trip after losing a series to the Mariners. Uh, so they're 3-9 and nine, uh, during that. It's 3-9 and nine in August now, which is terrible, which is terrible. And I guess isn't 0-12, but it's really bad. And they started 1-0 in August. So two and nine since dreadful, abysmal against good teams and the Red Sox, who will always play like deadline, I think is more important to point out eight, eight and 15, right? Since the trade, that's uh, the second oh, no, half. No, no, no. Sorry. Eight and 15 in the second half. Uh, yeah. Two, two and nine since the trade deadline officially went down. They won the game the day of the Montas trade and the Efros trade. But then after the Montgomery thing, they lose basically every game after that. Uh, 2015, very similar. Uh, they're, they're, they're definitely playing above their head. They're 67 and 54 when bird comes up and, and goes and plays, uh, that game in Cleveland. They win that one, six, two Severino on the mound. Shout out to Greg bird, uh, sort of, uh, you know, helping steady the team down the stretch. Then they get all the way to 86 and 69. Cool. Uh, they're four games up. Uh, sorry, four games back. They're they're not going to win the East, but they're probably going to secure a wild card spot after kind of a wobbly second half, making you a little bit more invested. And basically, they're going to have home field advantage in that game unless they lose every single game for the rest of the season. Boston comes in for four. They go to Baltimore for three. Lose the first to Boston, second to Boston, third to Boston in 11 innings. Beat Boston in the fourth one. That's what clinched their spot in the wild card game. Cool. Okay, great. Then they're going to secure home field advantage if they could just win one game. They go at Baltimore for three games. Rain out, turns into a doubleheader, loss, loss, loss. And they only get home field advantage there because Houston also lost the last game of the season. Same deal. Very familiar, right? Like, they're not in trouble unless they lose every game. Oh, wait, they went one and six in a final seven games. We're going three and four or two and five would have been good enough. That's what this current team is doing. Like, Honestly, playing 500 ball during the stretch against important opponents. Everybody said they had their worst month in, in July. Like, oh, but at least they were 500. Like, that's their worst month. That's not so bad. Well, no, they're three and nine this month. They're way below 500. Truly, all they have to do, like I said in the intro, is take two out of three from the Rays, split with the, Jays, split with the Mets. That, that is fine. Nobody cares. That is more than enough work, especially with this much of a lead. You just have to erase days off the schedule. But why you can't pencil them in for a series win against the Rays. You can't pencil them in for a series split against the Jays. Even though his offense doesn't totally exist anymore, even though the Jays' rotation has been really underperforming, and the big names on the Jays' offense haven't been great either. Vlad and Bichette and Teoscar Hernandez is like their best hitter. But who do you have more faith in right now? Like Hernandez, Bichette, and Guerrero getting hot for a four-game series or Judge getting carried by Rizzo and Donaldson? Because I know the answer there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, I know, I know the fucking answer too. I, I know the answer. Um, it's the, the, the frustrating part about all of this is the, the more surprise, I don't even know how to articulate this. It's like the more I'm, I'm so surprised that the Yankees have rode that historic first half into not learning a single thing. The last few years, they've been complacent. They've been bad at handling injuries. Um, they haven't really taken any risks, whether it was the trade deadline or the offseason. And I'm not counting the Garrett Cole signing as anything um, because that was something that simply needed to happen. Um, and they parlay this tremendous first half with I, – I, I literally don't even know what it's been. It's just been a ton of inaction, um, a ton of poor oversight – um, and it just goes to show that the roster simply is not enough um, at this juncture to actually win or forget about when maybe you win the ALDS, but you're not going deep in October with this roster as it stands. Um, I don't know how people would think that or what the feel like. Tell me your feelings. Tell me why you feel this team is still, quote, different, why this team slaps different. Hmm. I, I, I literally don't know, like. 
They've lost, they've lost a lot of key guys. I understand that. Chad Green, huge loss. But guess what? They absorbed that loss because they had Michael King and they had Clark Schmidt. Michael King went down. They optioned Clark Schmidt. They don't really, you know, I like Scott Efros. I like Lou Trevino. Are those guys filling voids that even those guys, maybe this is a hot take. Those guys aren't even filling voids that Chad Green had when he was, you know, as integral of a bullpen piece that he was. Um, yet we'll see. I, I don't know if either, either of them are capable of doing that over the long term, but you know, we have been on Chad's green, Ch- Chad's green. We've been on Chad, Chad Green's green. case. <laughs> We've been on Chad's case before because of his penchant for giving up a home run or, you know, Aaron Boone inserting him to the 1000th big spot over the past, you know, two months or whatever it was. And he's exhausted, but I don't know what other aspect of this roster tells you that this is going to be any different. Even the rotation, like Garrett Cole still doesn't give me any confidence in, you know, a winner go home playoff game. Nestor Cortez is probably the guy I have the most confidence in. And I don't know what to expect from him in October. Um, Jamison Tyone, you could get a very good quality start out of him one day, or you could get one of the most stressful and worst starts you've seen from him the next day. Luis Severino, is that a guy that's going to stay healthy? He hasn't proven that in literally four years. Domingo Herman, don't really care if he's pitching well, should have been off the roster two years ago. Um, and then you, you want to talk about the depth in the minor leagues outside of Marinaccio and Schmidt. They got rid of mostly everybody else who might've been, you know, MLB ready from a pitching standpoint. So, yeah. And then the guys that are ready ostensibly from a hitting standpoint, positional player wise, depth player wise are not being called up. Frankie Montas, absolutely solid, not anything special, not anything that's going to get this team, uh, over the hump. Um, and then you look at the lineup, like Marvin Gonzalez has done a nice job, but what confidence do you have there? Josh Donaldson playing great defense, can't hit the ball. Uh, Glaber Torres maximized his value right before the trade deadline. They probably should have traded him. Then more people get injured. Then he sees more pitchers, uh, pitches, then he gets worse because he's just not that great. Contrary to popular belief, I guess. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the, did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Aaron Hicks, bad. Like I said, sandwiched a very good 35 games in, in between the shit sandwich that has been created over the last, you know, four months for him. Just not enough. Matt Carpenter going down. Don't even count Matt Carpenter as a loss, Yankees fans, because that was a luxury. You know, Matt Carpenter was never supposed to be part of this team. Matt Carpenter coming here was absolute luck. I loved it. I still love Matt Carpenter. I want him back on this team, but you can't say, oh man, we lost Matt Carpenter too. Matt Carpenter was never supposed to be here. Matt Carpenter was here by accident because the the Rangers are idiots. You can't count people coming, you know, waltzing into waltzing onto this roster because of another team being stupid. You need to talk about the actual roster construction that's been in the Yankees control and that the Yankees have taken a part in. Andrew Benintendi, once again, solid acquisition, not moving the needle. Harrison Bader, we don't know if we're going to see him. Miguel Andujar has requested a trade two times, but he's still here not doing anything. Um, so, you know, you look at your most important players and it ends up coming down to DJ LeMahieu, Judge Stanton and Rizzo. And is that enough? It might be, but I think you need more depth than that. I think a lot of teams have four core players who are very good. And then it's the ancillary pieces that get the job done, or they have a very strong starting rotation, or they have an identity. To me, this Yankee Yankees team doesn't have an identity outside of just Aaron judge being really good. Um, at least, you know, you want to talk about 
today on August 15th. It seemed like previously there was an identity with the way the lineup was performing as a whole at times in stretches with the way the rotation wasn't giving up any runs. Um, But then the regressions happened. Then maybe certain guys couldn't handle the regressions and they've slipped further into a regression. Um, Then injuries happen. And then you see the depth behind the injuries, not really being enough or as much as you need. Um, And then that's on the front office to repair what's gone wrong. So the front office has played a large role in not really helping solidify the identity of this team. And, you know, I'll say it again. And that's why I feel like Aaron judge leaving is becoming a reality each with each passing day. You want to go two and nine since the trade deadline after the trade deadline was supposed to reinvigorate the team and to re-inspire everybody and to inject some sort of life. The trade deadline did not do that. It was getting to a point where it looked like it might've been doing that, but then it didn't do it. And then there's been ample opportunity to call up top prospects, whoever they were. I mean, is it the worst thing if Anthony Volpe comes up right now? I, I don't know. Am, am I stupid for even suggesting that? Is that a crazy thing? Is that so crazy to the front office that they can't even fathom that idea? Would I support that? I don't, I really don't know. Um, but you know, do you try, do, do you, would you rather see what other guys can do at this juncture? Or do you want to just keep rolling out the same bad lineup that has been bad for now a month? I, I, I don't know what your choice. Are the Yankees going to go after Trey Turner in the offseason and maybe look to trade Anthony Volpe and somebody else for something? I don't, I literally don't know. Maybe that, maybe that's their new philosophy and that's why they didn't do anything momentous at the trade deadline. And they think the calculus has been uh, completely changed because of all the injuries they suffered. They didn't think it was enough to overcome and they don't know if Judge is going to stay. So now they have to look elsewhere and figure something out. I literally don't know. But to be here stuck in neutral, to not make moves momentous enough to change things and then to not make in-house decisions enough to potentially change things or shake things up is just what this team has been since 2018. And it's infuriating. And Marwin Gonzalez has like seven at bats since the all-star break. And that's mm-hmm. the roster spot we can't mess with. And, and exactly. some people are saying, uh, you know, why would you call someone like Cabrera or Peraza up to take that Marwin spot? Because that Marwin spot never plays. So the reps at AAA are more valuable than Ano. Bench Josh Donaldson. Make sure that Marwin spot plays when you put a better player in there. I don't want Marwin Gonzalez in the lineup every day, but I kind of want Otto Cabrera in the lineup every day, and I kind of want Al Peraza in the lineup every day. So how about we use that roster spot? Instead of saying, well, the Yankees can't possibly call somebody up there. And even if they could, it wouldn't be valuable because it's a dead roster spot. Dead roster spots. Uh, Andrew Bank on Twitter hit us with a question, a valuable one. Uh, Why is Aaron Judge still batting second? Great question. Does he feel comfortable there? Do we have any idea? You'd think they were behaving in Judge's best interest, but he has 46 homers this year and 29 of them are solo shots. Is that in the team's best interest? Can we figure out a way to fix that? That's an inordinate amount of solo home runs. The leadoff man not getting base ahead of Aaron Judge. Is, isn't the guy with chasing 61 homers supposed to drive in more runs? I think he was at 44 and 100 over the weekend. It was kind of like, oh, wow, 100 RBI. But it's like, shouldn't that be 120? What happened to 160 RBI in a season? Like People used to do that. Uh, I missed that. Perhaps those would be more runs that the Yankees could have scored. Lost. Let's briefly talk, talk about Jeter and A-Rod hanging out together on Sunday Night Baseball's K-Rod cast. Uh, W's uh, version of this story was to talk about how A-Rod and, and was touching Jeter too much, like inappropriately. I think that's a weird way to... No! <laughs> <laughs> I did not mean to do that. It's trying to delete. <laughs> please, please, please hide that mystery. Um, <laughs> E-I's... EEI put out a story about how A-Rod was like touching Jeter too much. That's not the story. Uh, There was a lot more interesting stuff there, and it was mostly Alex Rodriguez related. Uh, He went after Brian Cashman. He would have fit in well on this podcast. Uh, Not only taking him to task for the deadline moves and saying how you could possibly get rid of, you know, Luis Castillo, not not get Luis Castillo and get rid of Jordan Montgomery at the same time. What's that about? Agreed. What's that about? Um, You know, you're not going to, trade Volpe but you're also not going to use Volpe you're not going to trade Peraza but you're also not going to use Peraza so what is it are they just guys that hang out at AAA or do you want to win a World Series because Luis Castillo looks pretty good we face him three times in a month 
I digress. A-Rod also took him to task for using Libertor as a shortstop, making the Joey Gallo trade that A-Rod, to his credit, hated last year and hated this year and hates now. Uh, and he also made the all-important point that I think a lot of people, not extending Aaron Judge too, letting him flounder hit on the open market, he probably cost himself $60 million, not offering him $240 million before the season. Would he have taken it? I don't know. Maybe he's going to touch three hundred now. And the most important point he made was that the Yankees have to realize who they are. Since 2004, the Red Sox have four World Series, the Yankees have one. Red Sox have been in four World Series, the Yankees have been in one. I don't know why we're still acting like this is the untouchable team. This is the franchise that has it all figured out. Whether it's the Red Sox or the Dodgers or the San Francisco Giants or the Royals, a lot of teams with different identities and different roster-building philosophies. The Nationals have had more success than the Yankees since not just 2009, but since 2000, the Cardinals, the Cardinals way tripped into the World Series. Uh, they won in 2006 and 2011 and were in the series in 2013. All the other premier franchises have gotten to the finish line more often than the Yankees have crossed the finish line more often than the Yankees. So why do the Yankees still have to act like they have the superiority complex? Because they're never the ones at the end of the line. They're not. And I, that's why I think that's the biggest thing. Like you, a lot of people hate Brian Cashman, at least on Yankees Twitter. I don't know. It could just be a bunch of burner accounts. Some um, love. Yeah. Some yeah, love. Some be, hate. Yeah. I mean, it, it, that's, that's where the identity thing comes in, f- in for me. It's Brian Cashman because why Brian Cashman inherited a team in 1998 that was already built. It was already constructed. There was nothing else to do outside of, um, Y'all ain't even doing enough hating for me to hate on y'all right now. Yeah, no, because we hate we hate ourselves. Um, drunk. Drunk's coming in to uh, talk to us. I get it. I mean, we're we're more depressed than we are hating. What's the what how how much more mad can we be? Um, Again, they just have to be 500 and they're not. Like it's we're yeah. not mad. This is this is uh they lose they lose every day. I'm not mad yeah. about it. it, it and it's what they it, do. It's just, it's Brian Cashman for me. And I know that he's made a lot of good trades. He does the quote, you know, the Cashman move in silence. He's gotten Clay Holmes. That's great. But like here, he inherited a roster in 98. It was already tailor-made. The homegrown guys were already there. The nucleus was there. The, you know, the energy and the identity was there. And that's where those three World Series wins came from. They did not come from Brian Cashman. Obviously, the David, uh, the David Justice trade was huge and that helped the team, but uh, you can't convince me that Brian Cashman well, has been the moving force that's kept the Yankees. He's kept the Yankees in contention. That's Brian Cashman's calling card. Since he's taken over, they've never had a losing season. Um, they've missed the playoffs a handful of times. Um, they've largely always been there, but they're not getting beyond where they need to go. And to me, that comes down to identity because what's your identity? Like, think about all the great, not the great franchise. Think about all the other franchises that just don't get the job done and choke. There's plenty of them and their identity is choking. The Dodgers identity up until 2020 was really good, but you actually choke and you kind of suck. And that was it. And then a shortened season ended up potentially turning that around for them. But is any rival, you know, is any uh, rival fan that hates the Dodgers, are you going to be shocked if they get eliminated in the NLCS this year? I don't think you are because I think that that's been who the Dodgers are mostly. And to be honest, I don't know how the Yankees are any different outside of a 2009 World Series win that was orchestrated by Brian Cashman, but was also kickstarted by George Steinbrenner saying, fuck it, spend a half a billion dollars. Like we got to do this. So that like, to me, that's real. Like that's all it's been. It's been Brian Cashman here, not doing enough and only doing enough when he's forced to do enough. Um, because you look at trade deadlines over the last 10 years, you look at off seasons over the last 10 years, nothing's been enough. Even how excited were you the off season that they signed uh, McCann, Ellsbury and Beltron? That wasn't exciting. That was just like, well, we got to do something this year. So let's fucking who's there. Who's out there. Let's, let's spend the money. Like, let's just get people who, who, who's there. That was what that, that, that's how that came off to me. I don't know how that came off to other Yankees fans. Um, but that was, that was my feeling around it. And that's, you know, there's never been that aggression. There's never, there, there hasn't been that, 
um, that, that will to kind of go over the edge. And I think it stems from having no identity. And I, I don't know what, I don't know what the, like the front office is what now the front office has gradually gone toward being analytics heavy. Like that's the identity. The identity is finding diamonds in the rough. You want to just keep finding diamonds in the rough everywhere instead of just getting the thing that's good and not having to bank on turning something around that might never turn around. Um, and I get the necessity for having to do that. You can't just acquire all the stars. You know, we laugh at Yankees fans. I even laugh at myself sometimes because you're just like, oh, why don't we have a better center fielder? Why don't we have a better shortstop? Because you can't have all-stars at every position. It just doesn't work like that. You're not the AL all-star team. But at the same time, you see the same problems persist, and you're like, okay, wait a second. I might sound like a baby complaining every day, but also this has been going on for like years. Can we fix something? And nothing ever seems to get as fixed as it needs to be. Once again, anybody there, anybody out there, tell me the Yankees' identity over the last three years that is not Aaron Judge is really good. Because that's the only, that's that's it. It's Aaron Judge is really good, and this team may or may not hit a bunch of home runs. And then there's nothing else in between. That's it for me. That's it for me. I was excited when we got Brian McCann. I was. I thought that was, I was a nice I was kind of pumped for that, but it was like, okay, catcher. Is he going to – is that going to be it? I don't know. I thought it would be, be a difference, Baker. Uh, it was fucking not. It was very boring. That was uh, a strange era of Yankees baseball. And we never really got Masahiro Tanaka either. People love Tanaka. I love Tanaka. He was a different guy before, uh, you know, his partial UCL tear. Yeah. And he was only pitching at 95, 96, 97 miles an hour for like three and a half months. And then he was never quite the same again. I'm looking out the window right now at a hornet bearing his stinger at me, pointing it in the window, crawling up the side. I think that's a signal that this podcast is over. That is it for for this edition of the Yanks Go Yard podcast. I'm literally being held at ass point by a hornet right now. Oh, just flew away. All right. That was very cool. Uh, make sure to find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Drop us a review along with a mailbag question. We'll be more than happy to answer. It also came out today that uh, Game 7 of the World Series is on my wedding. So uh, the Yankees will either not be playing in the World Series or will absolutely recover in the months of August and September and make a World Series run. And that will come down to one ultimate game, Game 7, a game that will be talked about for generations and will be not watched by me or my wedding guests. Uh you can give us a five-star review on, on Spotify or Apple Podcasts if you feel bad about that. We'll also be live on YouTube. Two o'clock Eastern Mondays and Thursdays. Or if the Yankees do anything interesting that makes us go live, we'll, we'll happily go live. Uh, our commenters congratulating me on getting married. Yeah, man. I, I, I figured it out. Thomas is already married. This is going to be a two-married podcast. Uh, his wedding, uh, your wedding was on a, a Yankees comeback win over the A's last yeah, year. Yeah, it was. Kevin, uh, securing the save. Uh, a rare bullpen success in the horrible 2021 season. And I will be getting married on game seven of, as my uncle said on Twitter, Mets Astros. So that'll be cool. <laughs> um, join us for our streams. We'll go live again if anything else that happens. Uh, Thomas Carinante, you can find me at Adam Weiner. The handle's right there. Ooh. Thomas Carinante, where can the people find you? At Tummies underscore takes, folks. You can also talk to us on the official Yanks Go Yard Twitter account at Yanks Go Yard FS. You can also head on, head on over to YanksGoYard.com. Written content. Reading is good. Reading's fun. Um, you should just keep doing it. Uh, we, we are getting a lot of readers because people are mad at the Yankees right now. Um, yeah. and no better time to talk to us in the comment section or on Twitter. Tell us what you're most mad about this team or anything else baseball wise. Um, and we'll, we'll talk about it. Keep the discourse going. Um, it's not fun to be a Yankee fan right now. Crucial stretch of a couple of weeks of baseball, which began on Friday, Rays, Jays, Mets next. Um, I don't really know what else to say. The pitching matchups seem to align in this race series. It could be good, but can you really, are you really going to be surprised when it goes bad? You're not. So we're here to offer the words of encouragement as best we can for the Yankees, but they've given us nothing else to say other than just please win. Please just get back on track. And we'll be waiting for that day along with you guys. And the next time we'll talk to you is on Thursday at 2 p.m. Eastern. So we'll see you there. Two wins in a row would be stunning. They have not done it since the deadline. I don't believe they've done it since the break. Seriously, they beat the Orioles in a three-game set. Non-consecutive win-loss win. They Wait, that was dumb. They beat the Royals three times in a row. 
but yeah. they have not beaten anybody consecutively since the trade deadline was, you know, stopped by the genius Brian Cash in the cab. Maybe we can win these first two against Tampa. It'd be great. It'd be great. We'll see you on there. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.